Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Go ahead and turn over to uh, Genesis chapter 33 at first, and uh, we're going to look at that, and then we'll get into chapter 34. Um, Actually, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, We'll go that way. Um, Last week we had an amazing um, opportunity to do our groundbreaking. We've been praying for this, we've been waiting for this for a long time, but we did that, and uh, for the sake of time, I didn't go into it. Uh, in, at the end of the sermon, because I wanted to get out there and do the groundbreaking, but uh, some of you may have actually caught on to this. Maybe you uh, saw the verses, and then we went out there and did that, and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool how God worked that out. Uh, but I want to read these verses and then see what, again, we had this. There's no way for us to know where we're going to be in Scripture as we're walking through Scripture, uh, and then we we don't, I mean, we trust in God to hold back the weather and for us to do it then. But again, you just can't orchestrate the things that, that God does uh, as we're going through his word as a body. And so if you look at those last few scriptures in Genesis chapter 33, look what it says. And Jacob came to uh, Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is the land of Canaan, when he came from Paden Aram. And he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought a parcel of, the field, of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. Look what happens. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. And so uh, that is God, the God of Israel. Again, in our groundbreaking, I said, you know, we don't necessarily erect altars. We don't necessarily uh, do things like that. But we are dedicating uh, this to God's purposes and God's plan. And so... Uh, It's just amazing to see. Again, it may not be a big thing to you, but I'm just like always constantly in awe of how God does that Uh, in in our Sunday school classes and our church services, uh, just showing, look, I'm the God, uh, you're God, and I'm directing this and and just follow me. And so uh, I'm like, yes, I just I just want to follow him. So, uh, again, just an awesome opportunity to do that. Uh, to dedicate the land that God has given to us. We didn't build an altar. We didn't do anything like that. Uh, but we, we turned over some dirt and we uh, dedicated that to his cause. So uh, this morning we're going to move forward and see another uh, just awe-inspiring thing to me. Uh, because I know in our church uh, it seems to have, it just seems to be a relentless attack on our church. Uh, I, I don't know how long, I mean it's just, this seems like we get brief seasons of like, ah, and then it, and then it comes in waves again. Uh, and and I, I don't think that's anything else other than, number one, the enemy trying to stop the work that this church is doing, a unique work that this church is doing, uh, number one. But number two, I also believe, again, God is in control, and God allows things for our growth, for our strength, for our good, and for His glory. And so um, it's, it's something that uh, can be a difficult thing, but I think we come to this, we're going to see another vital lesson in our, in our uh, text, in our study. So I hope that you engage in this. I hope that you stay uh, with us as, as we go through this. I want to read the verses, and we'll pray, and we'll get into it. Uh, Genesis chapter 34, again, moving into this. Uh, it says, And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Moor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, took her, and he lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel, and spake kindly unto the damsel. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah his daughter. Now his sons were with his cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they were come. Verse 6, And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out unto Jacob to commune with him. And the sons of Jacob came out in the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved. And they were very wroth. That word wroth, we don't really use in English language anymore. Uh, that means they were mad. Really mad. Like vengeful mad. Because he had wrought folly in Israel and lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. Um, let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity 
uh, to be gathered in your name. Thank you for uh, being our God. As uh, Brother Jeffrey said, uh, we do believe um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that you are the one true God, and we know that you are in control, and we trust you, Lord. We, we live in a, a world where uh, the thoughts, the, the evil rages, and uh, God is, is warring against you, and uh, we're just thankful to be your people, Lord, to have your, uh, your hand, to have your direction, to have your word, to have the Holy Spirit, to have the church, um, Lord, that we uh, have been put in. And uh, again, Lord, we're, we're just thankful for all these things, thankful for this opportunity to uh, go through this set of scripture this morning, set of scriptures, and um, Lord, to, um, to hopefully grab something that is impactful and helpful. Lord, something that is uh, encouraging, that's strengthening. Lord, that's convicting if necessary, that is uh, helpful. Lord, again, that's health. Lord, we know that your word, that your spirit uh, does all these things. And so we're leaning on you, we're relying on you, we're turning to you. That's why we're calling on you, God. And so we, we need you. And uh, I pray that you just use me as a vessel. Lord, we know that this is all about you. It's all about you alone. And so um, we ask that you would just move now in our presence. God, we, we do pray, as it's already been prayed, we just, it, it's on our hearts. If there's somebody here that's lost, they don't really know um, anything about what's going to happen to them after they leave this world. Lord, they've never, maybe, maybe they've been religious, maybe they've come to church, maybe they've even said a prayer, but they know in their heart right now that they've never surrendered their life to you. They've never made a commitment, a life commitment to, to trust you wholly. And so, Lord, they sit there in their seat, and they're not quite sure of where they're going to spend eternity. And I pray you just move in their hearts, Lord. Move this morning and, and, and move them to, to make a move, Lord, that they wouldn't uh, sit there. They wouldn't let this opportunity pass them by, but they would come and they would receive this free gift of salvation that you offer to all those that trust you. And Lord, just move in a great way today, and we'll praise you for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you see what happens. Um, Jacob has this uh, uh, encounter with his brother. Great victory. Peace is made. Uh, the, the relief comes. Woo! I thought he was going to kill me. I thought he was going to, you know, they, they make amends. Uh, Jacob tells Esau, go on ahead. You, you got all your guys. Y'all are going to move quickly. We've got a lot of young kids. We've got a lot of cattle. It's going to take us a little bit longer to get there. So y'all go ahead and we're going to take our own, uh, go at our own pace. They go along. They come to this place in Shechem, and, and um, they find, he finds a, a piece of land and wants to buy it. So he does. He buys it. They kind of set up camp there. And you see what happens, right? Uh, he makes this transaction in the Canaanites. And Dinah, Jacob's only daughter, he's got a lot of sons, right? We already talked about this. We already went through how he has... Uh, sons by handmaidens of Leah, sons by handmaidens of Rachel. Uh, he's got one son by uh, Rachel, but he's also got this one daughter by Leah, the only daughter. She goes out into the city to see what's going on with the, the locals. She goes out, goes out and, and, and to see how she can connect with, in, in a social way maybe. And, and what ends up happening is this, this leader of the land sees her. And it's very clear in Scripture what happens. He, he takes her, he lays with her, and he, he defiles her. He fall, he, he's smitten with her. He, he begins to, to lust after her, but, but he, he says, I want her to be mine after this defilement. What a blow to Jacob. What, what, a, what a, a, a sucker punch, right? I mean, you see this great victory you see this amazing thing and, and Jacob gets this land and and he he erects this altar he dedicates it to God the God the God of Israel this is this is this is it God I'm yours I, you have all of me you have my land you have my life you have everything I'm dedicating everything to you and then wham his only daughter defiled Point number one, the only point this morning, is something for us to remember. If you already know it, if you don't know it, it's something for you to take down. Always be ready for the destroyer after, after the dedication. Always be ready for the destroyer 
after the dedication. You know, I, I, I don't know how many times in my Christian life that I've said, you know, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to dedicate myself more. And only to find right after that something come along to try to knock that off track. That's cool. A little jam session in the middle of service. <laughs> but that's, that's, what, that's what happens in, 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 in this story. But again, it happens in our lives when we, when we make a determination to, you know, I'm going to dedicate myself more to God. I, I'm going to, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Or maybe even take even greater steps. We're going to stop doing stuff like this. We're going to not live our lives like the, this anymore. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to... And we're going to give more to God. We're going to serve God more. You can 100% count on the destroyer coming to try to knock you off that path. He, he uses many means, and he'll use all of these means. He'll use one of these means. He'll use as much as possible. Whatever is effective, that's what he'll use. He'll use things like fear to keep you from going down that path of dedication. He'll use things like guilt to keep you from going down that path of dedication. He, he'll, he'll try to, to riddle you with, with, who do you think that you are now? I mean, now, all of a sudden you make this commitment to God and, and you expect everything to be better in your life? He'll use cell phones in the middle of service <laughs> to keep you from focusing. He'll, he'll distract, he'll discourage, he'll depress, he will try to destruct, he'll use anything and everything to keep you from being dedicated, to keep going in that path. And, 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 and you know it. I mean, I, I, I see all across here the real lives of people. Again, I've experienced that in my life. Maybe, maybe it's been in your home. Maybe it's been in, on that drive. Maybe you made that commitment. Maybe you came down to this altar. Maybe you've done it once. Maybe you've done it many times. And said, God, I'm tired of this. God, I promise this. God, I commit this. God, I dedicate this. And the next thing you know, the job is requiring you to work more, and you can't give that more that you just promised. The, the next thing you know, sickness comes. The next thing you know, the marriage is attacked. The kids are attacked. The next thing you know, health. It just starts coming everywhere. Relationships, it starts, everything starts to come to try to strike fear, to, to bring about guilt, to discourage, to distract you, to, again, to pull you down into a deep, dark depression, to, to destroy Ultimately, the enemy, the destroyer's goal is for us is to get our eyes off of Jesus Christ. That's what his goal is to do. Because if we do that, he knows that we'll pretty much fall for anything. We're in the flesh. We, we have no help and no hope, no strength in and of ourselves against this, this powerful enemy that we call the devil. That, that the, the scripture calls Satan, the adversary. We have, no, we have nothing in ourselves we don't have enough wit. We don't have enough strong, uh, strong uh, mind, uh, mind strength. We don't have enough uh, gumption. We don't have enough courage. We don't have enough anything in, our, in and of ourselves to, to, to fight against the powers that he's using. And so if in our, in our path of dedication or in our path of rededication, we say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit this. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do this. The enemy comes along and can get our eyes off of Christ. He's on the path to victory in his pursuit and what he's wanting to do. Again, getting our eyes off Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verses 1 through 3. Again, I've shared this so many times. I love this set of scriptures because of everything it encompasses. But it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Chapter 11 talks about the, the, hero, or the heroes of faith, the hall of faith uh, for, throughout scripture. And so he says, Seeing how we have all of these people that have gone before us, this cloud of witnesses, these people that have endured great struggle, these people that have had great attacks come against them, these people that have had to exercise tremendous faith. faith. That's the witnesses that we have around us, before us in our life. Seeing that, he says, let us lay aside every weight, let, put aside everything that's going to hinder us, and the sin that's, that, that, that pulls us to the side as well. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. And here it is, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. 
It's not a sprint. We are to give our all, but it's a marathon. This life is a marathon. We don't get there just like, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pursuit of Christ, and it's a daily struggle. It's a patient endurance. It's long-suffering is the, Bible, the word the Bible uses as well. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, here's our example that Scripture gives us. Who for the joy that was set before him, look what he did. He endured the cross. He faced this despising shame for us. And now we sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it says this, consider him. Look to Jesus and think about him. Look to Jesus and remember him. Look to Jesus and remember that he endured this great contradiction of sinners against himself. He was innocent. Think about him. Look to him. Stay focused on him. Why? Because it's going to be easy for you to grow weary in your mind and grow faint in your heart and give up in this endurance race. So keep looking at Jesus. Keep thinking about Jesus. Keep thinking about the fact that he came as an innocent, spotless lamb, sacrificed for us. Think about the fact that Jesus didn't quit. He didn't stop. He thought about you. He thought about me. And he kept going. It was the joy that was set before him. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he laid down his life. That's why he paid the price for the sins of all the world, including you and me. And the Bible says, so as you're living your life, think about all the people that, that went before you and endured such great struggles and trials. They were thrown in lion's dens. They, were, they, they faced pharaohs. They, they were persecuted. They were tormented. They were beaten. They were stoned. They were torn asunder. They, were, they faced all these things in their pursuit of faith in God. So you got all these people as examples, but I'm telling you what you're going to have to do if you're going to continue on faithfully like them is to keep your eyes on Jesus and make sure you keep your thoughts on Jesus. Because what's going to happen is you're going to, you're going to dedicate yourself. You're going to say, all right, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start being faithful in this area. I'm going to start digging into the Word. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start witnessing. I'm going to start being more faithful to church. I'm going to start being a, a, great, a, a better servant. I'm going to start being a better father. I'm going to start being a better husband. I'm going to start being a better wife. I'm going to start being a better worker. I'm going to start being a better this. I'm going to dedicate this. Always know. He's coming. And that's not to be to strike fear. That's not to say, oh, well, then I don't want to dedicate anything. Oh, I don't want to commit anything. I, I've learned my lesson then. If, if, if every time that I take a step of faith uh, to, to, to grow closer to God and to do more for God and to be more used of God, that Satan's going to come in and, 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 and attack my marriage and attack my family and, and attack my health and, and attack my job. And if, if it's going to happen like every time, I'm just going to hold back. I mean, if I got my golden ticket and I'm going to go to heaven, I'll just kind of put it in cruise control and just cruise my way on into heaven. And I will say this. You will miss all of the greatest of blessings in this life. You will miss it. And you'll end up, you'll be standing before the great judge. You'll be standing before the king of kings. And if you are his child, it may be as if by smoke, by fire, that you enter in, empty-handed. Having received this great grace, having received this great eternity, this great gift, all by free, all by God's love and mercy and grace given to you. And, and what you did is out of fear and out of self-preservation and out of, out of service and, and pursuit of comfort and, and all these things, you said, as long as I make to heaven, that's all I care about. Maybe even not even caring about the soul of your neighbor next door. Maybe not even caring about the souls in your own family by that example. On and on and on and on it goes in, in this mindset. That's why it says in Scripture, think about what Christ did. Think about how he lived. Think about what he endured. Think about what he did for you. At any point in time as God, he could have said, nope, don't want to do it. But he endured this, the contradiction of sinners. He endured the despising shame. He endured the pain, the infliction, the burden, the weight of all of our sins upon him for us. And, he, and, and Scripture says 
And so when you look at your life and you've got to go through negative things and you've got to face the, the struggles, you've got to go through the battles, you've got to go through the trials, you've got to go through the attacks, keep looking to Jesus, keep thinking about Jesus, keep pushing towards the mark. Why? Because it's worth it. The reward is worth it on the other side. I would also, by scriptural support, say, if you take on this mindset of self-preservation, that I, I'm just not going to dedicate anything more, I'm just going to kind of enter into heaven with my golden ticket and just be good with that. I don't, I don't want to recommit. If, if Satan's going to attack every time I, I commit or dedicate or, or try again, if Satan's going to do that and try to knock me off, I'm just, if, if that's you, I'm, I'm going to say this. You have now made yourself an even more easy target for the enemy. He says, so I can't win. I, I can't win. If I, if I just kind of just try to stay not overly committed to Christ and stay in this little safe box that I feel comfortable in, uh, then Satan's going to come and, and knock me off because I'm going to be weak. I'm not going to be growing in my faith. So I can't win there. You can't win there. I promise you that. Because that's exactly what it'll do. You'll, 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 you'll grow apathetic. You'll grow complacent. You'll grow weak in your faith right there. And Satan will mop the floor in your weakness of faith with you. And so I can't, I can't win either because if I dedicate and I try to grow and I go through the trials and, and just as scripture says God grows me in my faith through those trials as I keep pressing on, then maybe the trials and the attacks are going to get worse and worse and harder and harder. And I don't want to deal with that. The only way, the only way is to keep pressing on, to experience the help. The only way, look, this world is messy. This world is ugly. It's full of darkness. It's full of evil. It's full of sin. That's why the God of all creation, the King of all kings, the, 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 the God of all gods left his glorious throne in heaven and came and dwelt among sinners and made himself in fashion as a man. And died a criminal's death for us. That's how black sin is. That it had to be God to do it. And we're here. Our only help and only hope is him through it all. Our only hope and only help is to keep dedicating, is to keep pressing, is to not let the enemy come in and do what he wants to do. Again, which is get our eyes off Christ and to distract us, to knock us off course. We have to know that, that Satan isn't ignorant of how God works. Hear that again. Satan's not ignorant of how God works. There's not some secret prayer language that, that, that is going to keep Satan from knowing when God's moving. There's not something that, that is concealed uh, from, from him that, that he hasn't seen God move over the thousands of years that God has been working with mankind and using mankind. Satan is, is privy to these things. He knows these people have made it, and so, so I just don't want to pray this out loud because I don't want Satan to hear it. Look, Satan sees your dedication. You don't have to say it out loud. Satan sees this, this commitment that he, he, he knows when, when God starts stirring a person, a family, a church, when God starts working in a, in a group of people. Satan sees that. He sees, the, he sees when, like what, what's going on in our youth where, where, where young people are wanting to, to recommit and, and, and young people are inviting their friends and bringing their friends. And Satan sees that. Is that to, to make our young people or our student minister uh, and, and our leaders to, to be afraid? To get, well, I, don't, I just don't want... No! Satan's coming after us. The Bible says this clearly. But we have nothing to fear in this. And we're going to see, see that in just a second. But again, Satan has been watching God work and use people. And specifically over the past 2,000 years, he's been watching God use the church and local churches in certain phenomenal ways to transform individual lives, families, cities, even countries with his church. Satan knows what's going on. God uses people. Again, that's, that's God's way. God doesn't, God doesn't have to, only in that he's chosen to do that. But he uses people. Satan, again, knows this. But who does God use? God uses righteous and unrighteous. He'll use a Pharaoh. He'll use Moses. Somebody who, who, who does is unwilling. He'll use Aaron. He'll use David. He'll use Paul. He'll use whoever 
here it is. Whoever he chooses, but how he uses the people who are sold out and dedicated to him is an extraordinary work of God. Because all of us are unworthy. All of us don't deserve to be used of God, but God uses people. He uses sold out people. He uses people who say, I'm going to keep pressing on. That's who he uses. That's who he blesses. That's who, that, that's who he, he, he endows special, uh, I believe, gifts and, and, and opportunities and, and, and spiritual blessings that this world can't understand or touch. How is that person, it seems like they're just, they're just filled with joy. They just feel like they, they how? I believe it's, it's gifts of God, spiritual gifts of God. Satan knows there's nothing that he can do to stop God. And he, there's nothing that he can actually do to stop the people of God. Here it is. When they're unwavering in their devo- devotion to God. When, 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 they, when, he, when he sees that there's nothing he can do or bring against the people that will stop them, he knows he's lost. I mean, he, he, he knows the case. He'll try, but he knows there's something different between those who are uh, yeah, I got my golden ticket. I'm cool. I- I'll show up at church. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, he's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I got you. He knows there's a difference between those people that are kind of on the, on, the, on the fringe. Those people are kind of maybe playing church. Those people are professing Christianity. Those people that, 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 that kind of move all around this dedication issue and never fully give themselves over. He knows there's a difference between those people and the people that will go to death. For the cause of Christ. He knows if these people ever move from here to there, he's in trouble. He, he can't do anything. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read two chapters here. I'm going to try to read fast. Stay with me. But I want you to, I want you to look at this. And as, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and they put, put them in hold unto the next day. For now it was eventide, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the ruler... Hey, you know what's going on? The, 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 the Holy Spirit's moving. These people of God, these new Christians, are 100% devoted. Devoted to death, to the cause of Christ. They try to stop them. They cannot stop them. They are still, they're willing to die as they preach the gospel. They go out, and you know what happens? As they're trying to stop them, more people keep believing. 5,000 men get saved. It was unstoppable. And it came to pass on the morrow, the rulers and the elders and the scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together. All these guys had this plan. Satan was going to use these people to try to stuff out. Again, Jesus already died, rose from the dead, and now it went from 120 believers to now over 8,000. I mean, it's, it's just, it's multiplying, it's exploding. Satan's plan is backfiring, and he's trying to destroy silence in prison. Still, he's trying to stop the work of God. And as these people who are 100% devoted will not stop, he's losing, and God's kingdom is being built. Look what happens when they set them in the midst. They ask them, by what power, by name, have you done this? Well, how is this happening? You guys tell us, you're, you're witchcraft or something. And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, again, they had healed this man that was uh, impotent from, bet, uh, from, from his, uh, his birth, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto all you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught, Jesus, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. How are these guys, what are they doing? These guys are just plain fishermen and just regular Joes. How are they talking like this? They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Ooh, isn't that interesting little nugget there? These unskilled, unlearned, regular people, something's, something's unstoppable in them. Well, how, how, how is it that these guys, regular people, 
and they kind of still smell like fish. <laughs> how, is this, how is this happening? They've been with Jesus. That's what it says. And beholding the man that was healed, they couldn't, they couldn't say anything against it. Look, these guys, the, the, here's the factor. These guys have been with Jesus. They're unlearned. They're speaking things that we can't say anything against. And here's evidence of, of this power, evidence of this truth. We, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves. Okay, you guys leave. Get out of here. We're going to talk about it. Let's talk about this. Saying, what shall we do? What are we going to do? Look, it's indeed a notable miracle. It's, you, you can't deny it. It's a notable miracle that has been done by them, and it's manifested to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. We can't get, let this go any further than what has gone so far, that they speak, speak henceforth to no man in this name, that name of Jesus. And they called them, and they commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto uh, to you more than to God, you tell us that. You tell us, should we listen to God or should we listen to you? Uh-oh. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. So they just threatened them. Stop doing it then. We'll get you if you do. <laughs> stop, stop talking about Jesus. So they did that. They let them go. They didn't know how they are going to punish them because the people, the people were, hey, this is, this is happening. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man that was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. I mean, it's evident. The power of God, the work of God. And being let go, they went to their own company and they reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They had a prayer meeting and they were all praying the same thing of praise whenever they were threatened. Think about this. What were they doing? They were dedicated to the cause of God. They were, they were strengthened in their resolve to serve God and to preach Jesus Christ. And what, what did it get them? We're going to get you. It's gonna, we're going we're gonna to take you down if you keep doing this. After the dedication, the destroyer came. And what happened to them? They go back and they say, hey, look, this is what happened. This is what happened. They told us that we couldn't do this anymore. And the church didn't say, oh, yeah, we, you know, you probably should tone it down, guys. Y'all are really bold. Um, we need to consider the consequences here. You know, they didn't do that. They didn't think about, well, maybe we should pull back a little bit on the, on the reins. And they didn't do that. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for the truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever of thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, look at their threaten, threatenings and grant unto thy servants. Listen, not, not, not deliver us from all the other bad that may come, not, not save us from any more uh, conflict or, or, or deliver us from any more negative things that we may deal with as we're serving you, God. They didn't pray that. They said, look, look what they want to do to us. They want to do wrong to us and bad to us. So what we're asking you, God, is to give us boldness that we can speak your word. Not, they, they weren't pulled back. They, weren't, they, weren't, uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't lessen their dedication. They said, okay, in the face of all of this potential life-threatening uh, issues that we're facing, God, give us boldness. God, we're turning to you. God, we're looking to you. Why, why were they doing this? Their lives had been changed. They had been radically affected. It was real to them. It wasn't some on the fringe like, oh, I like Christianity. I like that church. As long as they do what I want them to do, I like this. It wasn't that. It was he, he went to the, the cross for me, and I've laid down my life for him. He is my God. He is my Lord. He is real. He's changed my life, and I will give him my all. It was that for them. And so when, when, when it came against them, as they saw the threatenings that were coming against them were similar to what they, that came against their Lord, they said, God, give us that same boldness. Give us the faith to, to keep pressing on. Look what happens. When they prayed, that place was shaken where they were assembled together. God was moving. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. 
They didn't pull back. They didn't stop. They didn't quit. It was, it was uncomfortable. It was hard. The destroyer comes after them after this dedication, and, and, and they didn't pull back. They didn't say, well, how can we, okay, how can we uh, alter our ministry now to, to make it a little less confrontational? How can we, how can we change things to, to, to make it a little, a little more palatable or a little easier for people? How can we fit in more with a the culture? They weren't concerned about that. They said, God, give us more boldness so that we can do what you've called us to do. In the face of all these threatenings, in the face of this potential loss of our freedom and loss of our lives, I mean, look, they killed Jesus, and we can't even do what he did. We've got to have his power to do that. The multitude of them the, uh, that, were, that believed were of one heart, one soul, neither said any of them ought. The things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles uh, uh, resurrection, uh, witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was the, uh, there any among them that lacked, as for many, uh, for as many as were possessors of land or houses, sold them. They brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made to every man according to his need. And Joseph, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted son of consolation, a Levite in the country of Cyprus, having, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know what happens right after this? Again, here's the dedication. Man, we're together. There's victory. Man, the church is in such unity. Man, there's people that need things. People are selling stuff. They got extra. So you got extra cars? Yeah, I'll sell this car. Give it to you. I got, the, the church was just thriving. It was amazing. There was great unity, great harmony. All these things, this guy shows up and says, look, I got some extra land. I, he sold it, brought all the money, laid it, hey, use it however the gospel is need, needed to use it, however the church needs to use it. Use it how, how you see fit. I'm not going to read the rest of chapter 5 for time, but I want you to do that on your own. But just know in the very first verse of chapter 5, you know what happens? The, the attack comes. Ananias and Sapphire, hey, we got some land too. We bought and we sold it and here's all of it, you know. Lies, lies. <laughs> the attack comes. The destroyer comes to try to, 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 to knock these people off. Can you imagine what Peter, uh, he could have done when this lie comes to him? So, what's the deal? I thought we were in unity. I thought we were, well, I guess we're going to, no. He, he did, they were resolved. They were strengthened in their resolve as they move forward. So after thousands of years of working at this, the enemy. Seeing it very clear in Scripture, us in 2018 have to remember that he knows how to strike. We have to remember that he, he can have preemptive strikes to keep us to have, from having this unstoppable movement in the kingdom like, like the church has had throughout the, the ages. He, he knows how to say, okay, this church is, okay, I've seen this before. These people are starting to get serious. These people are starting to more people are moving from this kind of uh, consumer-based, what I want from church in my Christianity, to I surrender all. These people are, there's a lot more people starting to drift that way. I've got to do something to stop this, and he'll do it. I'll get their kids busy. I'll, I'll, I'll make their kids sick. I'll make them sick. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stir up the people at their office and make it miserable for them so they want to find another job. And so they're distracted all the day long. That's what I want to do. He'll do everything he can do to try to keep us from moving to here. He'll do it. And he's doing it. He does it. Right? Some of you have done that. You've experienced it. You're, maybe, maybe you're like, you know what? I'm not as committed as I need to be. And so God's been working on your heart. And you're like, you know what? We should start doing I need to do this. I need, you're, 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 maybe, maybe you've already got there. Maybe you're on the way there. And you know how Satan's been attacking you. And coming at you. He may, be, he may be bringing nuclear missiles. He may be firing little bullets at you. He may be doing anything and everything he can do to keep you from getting here. And he'll keep doing it until you get there. But what separated those first believers from us? Did it, was it them? And is it others who truly have real faith? I shared this before. I shared this at a fellowship meeting that uh, I spoke at, and, and, and there were three things that I asked those pastors in that fellowship meeting, and I said this. 
what keeps us from being, what keeps us going faithful in the work of God. What, well, I'm not saying anything about me, but, but what, what keeps driving me in, in certain, I think there's some questions that every single person needs to answer for themselves. One of the, one of the questions was this, is it real? I think that's the first question you got to answer. Is it real? What you believe about, is it real to you? Or is it some fairy tale thing in your mind? Or is it something you see other people do? Or is it real to you? Is this a real relationship? Do you really believe Jesus Christ? Second question then, is it worth it? Think about that. Heaven or hell? You got heaven? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Everything else that comes along with it, help in this life, comfort, all the things that, 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 that God offers us, is it, is it worth it? Absolutely. In every way, it's worth it. And I think the third one is, you can have a couple questions, then does it matter? If it's real and it's worth it, then does it matter? And do you live your life like that? Is it really about the king? The answer for that first church was a resounding yes. Prison didn't stop them. Threats didn't stop them. Shame, rejection, distraction, other people leaving the faith, uh, others lying to them, death, family problems, nothing, nothing stopped them. They knew Jesus. He, he was real. Their confidence was in him. Not in themselves, not in this world, not the stuff they had, not their fun, not their activities, not in how comfortable things were. Their absolute confidence was in Jesus Christ. They got that through the resurrection. They saw it in his sacrifice. Not even death has power over him. Not even nothing has power over him. Scripture tells us not to be weary in well-doing. That means it's possible for us to grow weary in well-doing. If it tells us not to, then we know it's possible to do. The truth is, if we don't rely on the Holy Spirit every day, every moment, looking to Jesus alone, leaning on Him alone, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. The weariness is coming. So the enemy is going to attack many times before the dedication, but also right after the dedication. I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. Jacob had a new, new name. He had a new walk. He had a new life. He had a new dedication. Everything was going great for him. Everything seemed to be on the spiritual up and up. Everything was great. I mean, reconciliation with it was in his family. Every, nobody lost their life. I mean, everything seemed to be great. I mean, his, his family was growing. He's, again, reconciled with his family, dedicated to God, de praying to God for the first time, dedicating land to God, and then all of a sudden, his only daughter is defiled. Just like with anything else, things that are in infancy tend to be more vulnerable. Babies, more vulnerable. A commitment to Christ, a new commitment to Christ, more vulnerable. A recommitment to Christ, more vulnerable. And I want to encourage you to remember that anytime you make a commitment. Determine not to waver. Determine not to be sidetracked. Determine not to be knocked off course and be ready be ready let me ask you this if you really believe the bible is the word of god if you really believe it then you must really believe what it says about the enemy you must really believe that our only hope against his attacks then are found in the lord's resources if you say, I believe that's God's word, then you got to know that 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 11 says this, that Satan's a roaring lion looking to see who he can destroy. He's relentless. He, he, he will stop at nothing. And he, will, he doesn't care what he uses or who he uses. He cares not for man's souls. He don't care about our lives. 
We're on the opposite side. And so he will use anything and anyone. He's destructive. You see, lions hunt and, 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 and eat, they're destructive. They're relentless. They're ruthless. That's how our enemy is. John chapter 8 tells us that he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He, he, what may seem good, well, you don't have to commit to God. You, you, don't, you don't have to do the, the lies, the examples that he puts out in culture. Lies. He's the, he knows how to get us distracted. Remember the beginning? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep focus on Jesus. He can transform himself into angel of light. Well, it, it, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Or, I, you know, I mean, I know other people are doing this. I know other churches. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, he can transform himself into an angel of light. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us what we have to do. Put on the whole armor of God. Rely on God's resources. That's our only hope. Remember Gideon's army? I'm going to close. Gideon's army went from several thousands to 300. You know how you know the final cut was made? Those who leaned down. It was an alertness and awareness that the enemy could be anywhere. Drank the water. What was the water? What was it representing? Refreshment. Blessing substance providence all the things that god gives there were those that went down to the water's edge and and just threw their faces in the water and laughed it up with complete abandon it's blessings i love blessings they threw their faces in the water and laughed it up like dogs the bible says and and, and they weren't uh, they weren't aware that the enemy is still around yes the blessings are real the blessings from god are to be enjoyed absolutely but because the blessings of God are right in front of your face, it doesn't mean that you throw your head in them. It means that you enjoy them, knowing where they came from. But still alert, not fearful, but alert that the enemy is right in the, in the willows on the other side. Looking for you to stick your head in the blessings. Looking for you to, to embellish in the comfort. Looking for, looking for you to just give your, your whole self over to, to this blessing that God has given to you. And not be a vigilant soldier in his army. This morning, be reminded. The destroyer's coming after the dedication. Don't let it strike fear in you. But I pray that you... Also, we're challenged in where your commitment to Christ is. Because if you're standing on the fringes, it's open season for you. S Satan, he can do pretty much whatever he wants. As long as he can keep you here. I mean, he might not be able to get your soul. Maybe you're truly a Christian. But he's going, you're going to miss so much. And, and you're, you're super vulnerable. Over here, while he's coming after you and he's going to try to take you down, you have strength that he has no idea about if you'll, if you'll stay tapped into it. That, that's, that's the only place you'll have it, is, is in that fully dedicated, sold out, committed, looking to Jesus, unwavering in that, just like that first church. Nothing happened to them that stopped the movement of God. Hey, we got a problem now. Everybody's complaining. Acts chapter 6. The Grecians, their, their widows are being neglected. Okay, look out and find some faithful men that, that are full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom and that we can appoint over this business of taking care of, of the physical needs of people. And so the first deacons were, were installed in, in, in the church. They say, hey, here are these seven people. You know what the first leader of the deacons did? I'm going out and preaching Jesus. They stoned him. They killed him. Uh-oh. What are we going to do now? Our chairman's dead. <laughs> Leader of our deacons just was martyred. Sorry, Brother Justin. There's your example. Brother Mike, there's all those examples there. But, but that's what it was. Look, you're, you're not going to stop. You can take our life. You're not going to stop this movement. It's of God. And God uses people, and, he, he, and it's for his glory. Get here. I'm, 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 I'm charging all of us to get here. This holy dedicated Fully protected. So that, that's weird, the protection. That, that, that How did God protect him if he was stoned to death? 
this evil, he, he dedicated himself, and then this evil happened. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The martyr, the testimony, the story of him, of somebody who was dedicated to death, regardless of what came against him, still lives on 2,000 years later. That's to the glory of God. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. This just a temporal time, temporal season. Evil, sin, death is going to try to, Satan's going to try to come against us. Stay dedicated to the end. Stay committed. The destroyer's coming. There's nothing he can do to stop us if we stay there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength that you give us in your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the help uh, that you give us. Lord, we realize that we're really in a war. Lord, I think sometimes in our minds we, we want to just kind of go about our lives and, and, and dismiss the fact that we're in a spiritual war every single day, a spiritual battle. That the enemy, even though we may give up in our commitment, even though we may slack in, in our vigilance, even though we may get distracted in this world, that we may get focused on our, our, our work and our jobs, our, uh, our activities and our entertainment, the enemy still has one objective. And that's to kill, steal, and destroy. And we're in that battle, whether we want to accept it or not. So our only hope is to cling to you. Our only hope is to rely on your resources. It's to stay vigilant, to know every single day that we are in this spiritual battle. And that the enemy is coming after us. But there's nothing he can do if we're in your will. There's nothing if we're dedicated to your cause. There's nothing if we're your children that you don't know and that for some reason brings glory to your name. Lord, you know. And we know that. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to be these people of dedication. Help us to be these, these believers that are part of your church, God, that has always been from the time of the church unstoppable because of who you are living in us and our devotion to you. Lord, I pray that you just move now in this invitation. Again, if there's somebody here that hasn't given their life wholly to you, again, maybe they're playing a, a spiritual game, maybe they're playing a religious game, maybe, maybe they've said a prayer, maybe they, whatever. Lord, you know, they know that they've never truly committed their life to you. I pray that you just move them now. Just move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.